The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Okay. Isn't the first rule of Fight Club don't talk about Fight Club? First rule of Fight Club never talk about Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club you don't talk about Fight Club. What is the first rule of Fight Club, Proby? Okay, Tony, you can barely turn your computer on, so no offense. No one is supposed to talk about it. First rule of Fight Club and all that. The first rule of Fight Club. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. You can be a man of courage, of honor, of integrity. You can be the father, the husband, the leader that your family and your community needs. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Atcher. Club. I think the first rule of Fight Club. Have you, have you guys all seen the movie, by the way? Yes. Okay. Well. No. So the, they, in the movie, there's a there's a Fight Club, and the first rule of Fight Club is we don't talk about Fight Club, but we're doing the opposite. And not only are we not talking about Fight Club, but we're not fighting either. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give us five minutes. <laughs> so uh, it's really interesting, guys. This has been a lot of fun, kind of putting this together today. Was a challenge because we got all ready to go. And then Facebook decided to block us from going live, and I hadn't thought about, oh, maybe we should use use YouTube because then I have to get permission, and you have to wait 24 hours to get your permission approved to go live on YouTube. So instead, what we're doing is we are recording this, and it will air when our podcast airs for it later, which is fine. Uh, A little disappointing because I was hoping we could have some live interaction with our online listeners, but... We're going to have fun interacting with each other today. So we've got with us today Abram Hatcher. Hello. He is my son. I made this. Yay. Um, <laughs> I think you had help. <laughs> I had a little help. A little help. Anything good in him is probably not from me. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Brian Mahaney. And we've got Hello. Dan Karish. Howdy. These two gentlemen are gentlemen whom I respect greatly and have been friends with for a long time. So, actually, I've been friends with Abe longer, but... No, not technically, because we weren't friends when you were still at you wouldn't, home. You wouldn't count that? <laughs> no, you can't count that, because you're not supposed to be a friend to your kids. No. You're supposed to be a parent. Yeah, now I can be your friend. Does he reciprocate those feelings? <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I need to answer that All anymore. right, he pleads the fifth already. Pleads the fifth. Um, so... One of the things that uh, I think is kind of interesting is Abram and I actually have a fight club between the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been working out twice a week with Abe. We've got a friend that's letting us use a gym, and he's got a heavy bag, and so Abe's been training me. I mean, I used to fight, like, on the schoolyard when I was a kid. You know, I'd have to fight off bullies, and mm-hmm. my dad taught me a thing or two, and I knew how to defend myself pretty good. But usually it was just... You know, one or two punches, and then it was over. So it was never like a real fight. It was just a, you know, stop the bully from hurting you and break his nose if you can, but you probably won't, you know. So Abe has taken martial arts classes and did really well with that. So I'm like, all right, so since we're working out, why don't you show me a thing or two? So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been since, what what was it, December, I think? I think since December, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I definitely, you used to be a, a big flailing mess, and now you can... Punch. Nice. 
so that's kind of fun. So what, watch out. What style? Oh, me? It's, um, it's American Kenpo Karate. Uh, okay. It was, I mean, it's uh, Mike Miller's place, mm-hmm. you know, in town. It's, yep. I, that, that's where I learned it. You know. Shotokan. It's, oh, oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Shotokan. It's, it is very popular. It's a very popular style. What's the difference in Kenpo? What is Shotokan's kind of... They, the basics of them all are yeah. pretty much all the same. Karate is karate is karate. Basically. Just there's different schools, different masters brought their style down. Mm-hmm. So just like just my, well, my oldest boy Josh is taking swordsmanship, Japanese swordsmanship, mm-hmm. and he has one school that he belongs to. There's other schools, yeah. different things like that. That's all. There's there's probably like over a dozen or two dozen. I, I don't even know how many styles there are, but there's a lot of a lot of styles of karate, and they're very they, they differ a lot. And I try to, I mean, I don't you know go to, to the classes anymore, but I still practice. I still do all that, you know. Karate is mainly it's self defense to get yeah. you out of some place exactly. that you should never have been in the first place. For it, it's, it's to do the maximum amount of damage mm-hmm. in the shortest amount of time mm-hmm. to get you out of the issue. Yeah. And, I mean, like, the majority of the styles kind of keep that as a core ideal, so... And it's all... Mostly karate is all straight line. Yeah. Well... There's, there's not a whole lot of flowery moves unless you're doing sweep kicks or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's some differing between, you know, certain styles, like... But there, there, there are certain styles, especially, like, you know, like the old, like, Okinawan styles that are that are more round and... You know, that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, things changed as they uh, got sent to Japan and got more militaristic and got implemented in the military and, you know, form and things kind of yep. took over. And, and then changed again once it got popular in the States and back and forth and a lot of that stuff. So, but aside from, you know, the whole history of it all, it's definitely been one of the biggest uh, impacts on my life. And it's definitely been important for me. Mm-hmm. How's that working out between the two of you's relationship? You know, so I kind of joked that we weren't friends when he had to live here because I was dad. Like, yeah, for me, it has made so much difference to have that time with him every week. It was after, I don't want to get into too much detail and throw you under the bus or anything, it was after a breakup where it was a relationship that was, mm-hmm. it caused some distance between us, you know, and so to have that time together... I think we've actually gotten really close. Oh, yeah. And we've had some of the best conversations I've had. Actually, I was... So this is really funny. I was thinking about this as I'm driving. Some of the best conversations in my life have been in a tent or a truck with Dan Karish, (laughs) on the bank of a river with Brian Mahaney, (laughs) or uh, at... At, at you know training, lifting, and talking with Abe and working with Abe, mm-hmm. that, those have been some really great and meaningful conversations. And so I think that's actually kind of makes today a little bit fun. Yeah, cat of invading. Yeah. Hey, Abe. Um, Abe, are you teaching him the mental aspect that goes with it also? Uh, well, <laughs> chi and 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 that sort of stuff. Not not particularly. It's more about form, you know. It, okay. It's definitely like basics, you know. Okay. And we're almost a little bit more in the boxing sphere. Yeah, well, because okay. well, because Mike taught a lot a lot of that, you know. There's a lot of more like boxing stuff, and because that's a lot of what I'm teaching him. Because it's like 
Okay. I don't foresee you doing a lot of kicks anytime soon. Yeah, I can't get my legs up that high. Don't have to. <laughs> the goal is to punch somebody hard enough that I don't have to. Kick him in the side of the leg to go down every single time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah as long as you, if you can get the back of the knee, you know, you should be good. Oh, side I, knee too. That, that trashes yeah, everything. They'll go screaming to the ground. I I couldn't decide whether I should wear this or my Cobra Kai shirt. And I see, I picked the wrong. I, I picked the wrong shirt, of course. You know. Oh, that's a fun show. I that, that cat. Yeah. Is this the yeah. cat invading? Is he needs uh, to be. Oh, he's found some cheese on the floor. Uh, yeah. He's good. Oh no, he. Took he's putting it, it on. Did he eat yeah. cheese? Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, he poops and Shiloh has to clean it up. That sounds great to me, right, Shiloh? <laughs> She's like, I don't want to walk through. But if you guys that are watching don't realize, we're actually recording in my living room right now. So I kind of said this is going to be the fun of it. If somebody walks in, if the dogs start barking, if, you know, whatever happens, happens. That's when he walks in, you become a guest. Exactly. Well, again, we're going to ask you, we're going to grill you. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, I've really kind of appreciated uh, that time with Abe and the things that, that we're learning. I, I want to learn more about that. And honestly, the biggest reason is I think that it's important. One of the things that I think men need to learn to do is to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I know how to defend myself, and, I, and most of that happens before it ever gets to a physical confrontation. Uh, I have the advantage of my size. Brian, you're the same way. Dan, you're imposing too. You're tall and... and got big shoulders and you know and your cyborg legs so i mean people are scared you know but <laughs> i don't know about that but 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 i i think that every man should know how to defend himself and how to protect somebody else if necessary yes but have the wisdom that goes with it right. absolutely right. that's that's the biggest part yeah. otherwise you become a bully mm-hmm. um i was reading today, actually I was uh, had a couple minutes and I was writing a blog post that'll become a a podcast episode later. One of the features that we're going to do this year, it'll be every month we'll do an episode called Testicular Fortitude uh, which is a historical portrait of a man with balls. (laughs) And um, so we've got some pretty cool men lined up. The one I was writing today is about uh, a Japanese samurai, Ronin who um, wrote the book called The Five Rings which Ended up being translated in English and kind of like Mushashi. Yes, yes. And so I, I was reading and, and reading about him and writing today, and I was like, uh, one of the quotes that I loved was talking about, you know, the martial arts should always be used for self defense, and the most important part of it is learning to never have to fight. The most important part of your training is learning to never have to. Fight. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. He was a cool dude, though. He like had like. 60 major sword duels won all of them most of them were to the death some of them the, his final bout he was they had to row in their rowboats out to this island off the coast of Japan and on the way he carved his oar into a wooden sword and killed the guy with one strike and vowed to never sword fight again <laughs> that's the coolest thing I've ever heard yeah I can't wait till that episode comes out you guys will love it have they made a movie about this guy? That no. Shows, like, that no, they, they have not. Why not? Uh, Five Rings of Power is a good side book to Sun Tzu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have read that. The other thing is, is Josh, is, I can turn you on to the title, but the guy that, that, that did the writing for the Five Rings of Power, he took a lot of liberties, mm-hmm. uh, but there's been several books written about Mishashi's life. And... Josh, my oldest boy, is doing the, the swordsmanship. 
has turned me on to the title of the book and crepe that book's a good two inches thick. Yeah. It's it's pretty interesting stuff. As a matter of fact, I can turn you on to the site from Josh's uh, dojo to to see what they do. And his master and that master are some of the oldest in the whole lines. So it's kind of neat stuff. That's awesome. I'd love to, to learn more about it. I was intrigued when I was listening to that today. I also wrote, wrote one about uh, Hannibal that, you know, invaded Rome with elephants <laughs> over the Alps. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's going to be a lot of fun when those episodes come out. And uh, that's pretty cool. One of the things that uh, is actually kind of, at the date that we're recording this, it's actually kind of big news. Uh, one of the topics that I wanted to kind of chat with you guys about and kind of see what you, what you think. So I had already kind of planned on talking about this. Yeah. I was describing it to Shiloh had a couple of her friends over. And um, so I was just talking about this conversation that we were going to be having. And mm-hmm. She said, you know, the, you know what you need to talk about is Andrew Tate. And it was funny because he was already in my mind of something we should be talking about. Yeah. And I asked her why. And so the kids all know this guy. Because he is dominating, he has dominated social media, where he's he'll do these videos, and then they get basically just pushed to the front of the algorithm, and everybody is seeing these videos that he does. And in these videos, he is talking mostly about traditional masculinity and how we need to to know that it's a good thing to be a man, that we need to not, you know, tear men down. Um, but he also I almost want to, I don't like the word toxic masculinity, which is another whole conversation, but yeah, but it's honestly, a lot of it is over that border into toxic. It's kind of, he says a lot of really good things, but a lot of stuff he says he's just a butthole. Absolute. I mean, there some things that he says, you know, are like, oh, that's very true. And then he immediately follows it up with, what's the most divisive thing that I could possibly say? And then he says it. A, like some of the things that he says are are definitely I I believe are inexcusable, uh, but yet he lines it with truth, and I think that's wherein lies a lot of the controversy around him. It doesn't that, make it any better. You can exactly. line you can line all sorts of stuff with truth, but mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't put it out there as truth and keep it a line of truth, your message is lost and it's gone. Oh yes. But do you think that's what attracts all the viewers? Is the you know the, the the fluff around it. I think that's definitely a big part of it. I he also you know he his main demographic it seems like is like young depressed men that don't have their lives together. And, Easily influenced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they see him, you know, and he's this he's this rich millionaire who's got it all. And he, he claims to be a billionaire, but I don't know if he's a millionaire or a billionaire. I don't sure. believe he's a billionaire. Well, I saw that he moved to Romania. He was from there. And is, is that where he was originally yeah. from? Because he moved... He's from there. So, and he I was mean, an MMA fighter also somewhere. Right, there. right. But he didn't have a lot of fights, so he, he kind of touts himself as right. a champion. But I think he only won, like, two fights is all Yeah, but did you see the reason that he moved to... Yes. That he gave for moving to Romania? Yes, yes. Uh, the guy lost my respect right there. Yeah. Why yep. did he move? I didn't catch that part. It, it's uh, harder to convict sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, uh, I'm sorry, I don't think I need to listen to you anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, boy, that's... So, and here's the other thing about him, is that he his fortune was made, basically, uh, with an online cam girl 
thing that he had. So he was basically an online pimp for these girls to go in chat rooms with guys. And, you know, that's, that's exploitation right there, mm. and wrong as it can get. That's trafficking. That's trafficking. Yeah. Outright. Yeah. Whether or not they were willing, whether or not they were quote-unquote solo performers, and whether or not they wanted to or were even paid, whether... This guy was making money exploiting women. Mm -hmm. So, in my mind, anything else he has to... And even if that's his past and he's reformed, I don't know. Somebody made that claim. I don't think that he's reformed in terms of at least his own, you know, personality and his his beliefs. I mean, whether he's not doing that anymore, I don't think it matters because he still probably believes that it was right. And then he turned around and did a pyramid scheme. (laughs) Yes, he did. Right, the pyramid scheme. So, which is his biggest thing now. So that's one of the things we, we talked about, the, the guys that it resonates with, right? Those young men that mm-hmm. are, because we know a lot of those kind of guys. And that's a lot of my audience, too. We've got a lot of guys that are listening because they're just, they're craving what they never got from their dad. Right. What they never got from Dan as a scoutmaster mm-hmm. or Brian as a Sunday school teacher, which is my favorite thing, that Brian was a Sunday school. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're craving that good, mm-hmm. strong male influence that they've never had. Mm-hmm. And he's preying on them, too. He's exploiting them. But the pyramid scheme, you know, what he's doing is he's like, if you basically give me this much money, I'll teach you how to become rich and famous and make this much money. Then his followers are giving him that money and then learning how to do the exact same thing he's doing. It's oh, He just shut that down. Well, he did? Yeah, he shut it down. Hustler know, Institute, yeah. he shut good. it down. That's good. Well, social media shut him down this past week, too. Every, yes. He got blocked off of... Everything, which I find hilarious, because we were planning on talking about this way before that happened. We, yeah, when we've been doing our own fight club in real life. Um, yeah, we've been talking about we've been this talking guy. about this guy for a while, and, and it's crazy. Well, and that's also what's crazy because we were kind of joking because as we wanted to point to go live today, we got blocked. You, yeah, on everything. <laughs> we got deplatformed, so to speak. <laughs> so yeah, entertainment has been blocked. On all the social medias, they just completely shut him down, which has created another conversation, which I'd like to get into in a minute. Made him a martyr. Yeah, they made yeah. him a martyr. I think that's probably one of the biggest issues, is that now, no matter whether he was right or not, he's a martyr. Because people are saying, oh, this is censorship, this is wrong, and it is, but it's like, they see that, and they're just immediately, you know, whether they knew him or not, they're like, oh, this is wrong. But they don't even, they don't, they don't know this guy. They don't know the things that he said. A lot of people look at it as freedom of speech, but they don't bother to read what's entailed in the freedom of speech. There's a a massive responsibility that comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so many of these people that get blocked have not looked at that part of it. Just all they do is they scream, well, I've got freedom of speech. They also don't understand. They don't understand that, like, the Internet... Those are all like private companies right, that can right. decide whatever. Like, they can decide what's True. on the platform. Yeah, you know, they—they're the ones with the money. Yeah, yeah. You have to stay within the realm of the community that you're serving, whether it's in your household or, you know. Well, that's that's the, the bottom, bottom political bottom speaking. No, or politically speaking, or whatever. You have to stay within the confines and the rules and regulations. You know, you don't have free speech. Unless of course you're on your own company. So, yeah. Well, but then, then there, there's another thing I thought of on the way over here. If you had your own company and you wanted to influence the world for the good, then you're also looking at how do you define good as mm-hmm. that person. So you got 
you know, Zuckerberg and, yeah. you know, Bezos and everybody else with all this money and they have these platforms and oh, ability to influence good. people, you know, and they have to look at what are they doing for the greater good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's like the, and that's the challenge with what's happening with social media right now because, one, if you will come into my house and let's say you started bad mouthing my wife, I'm going to kick you out. I have every right to do that. That should be that way, you know? Um, now, first of all, I think I'll try to have the conversation and disarm the conversation. We'll talk about it. But if you refuse, right. you know what? You're just not welcome anymore. Right. So I understand a tech company saying we have this right to enforce who can say what on our platform. But the problem is what has happened is that the tech platforms have become something different in terms of their perception in the world. Yeah. And so it's become the public square in terms of its socio, you know, societal impact. So if I want to go in the public square and hang up a sign that says, whatever, I've got a right to do that, whether I want to, you know. Now, again, even in the public square, there's certain rules and regulations on that. But the issue is that because these tech companies all have different definitions of what's moral and what's right, and then they've also become so massive, and this is where what happened today to us is the issue. What is enforcing and what is policing it is not a human. It's completely enforced and patrolled and everything by artificial intelligence, which should blow our minds when we really think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, my freedom of speech is being determined and decided by... A robot. A robot. Cyborg. <laughs> my, my, my issue is, is your freedom of speech is not at all. It's the ability to use a private platform in a public forum to put that out there in front of the world. And people, whether they want to believe it or not, this is it right here. You know, and how do you get your freedom of speech to the most people? Well, you have to abide by the rules and regulations of whatever it is that you want. You know, or, or you on, fa- you've you on Facebook or you're on Truth Social. You know, this guy here can go on Truth Social. It's kind of, you know, but what rules and regulations do they have, you know, and what is the reach that they have? You know, that's how I feel about it. We put a lot of we put a lot of faith in the fact that Facebook's going to be fair, and you know, like Grandma always said, nobody ever said the world's going to be fair. Well, that's one thing we all know for sure: the world is not fair. Get that right, Dan. You've been uh, slapped by Facebook a few times, right? Yes, sir. (laughs) For political statements, Uh, mostly, yeah. Mostly, my Eileen, Eileen. I don't want to say I'm a hard hard conservative. I am definitely to the conservative side of, of independent. I'm an independent voter, but I, I definitely lean that way, yeah. And it gets me on occasion, and a lot of it is I'll, I'll read something and make sense to me, so I will repost it asking, hey, what do you guys think? And they say, I know I got a fact checker down my throat or Facebook's restricted my account. And, yeah, okay, you want to play that game? It's, that's fine. But 
and and I, I I feel the same way, but for whatever reason, I haven't had that happen to me a whole lot, which is good. I've fought back a couple of times and 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 fought against their their stuff and given my reasons, that, and it's been reversed. But more times than not, it's it's upheld. How how would you say your friends list is percentage wise conservative leaning or lining up with your views? Most of my friends list is is conservative, but I've got some friends on there that are that are leftists, and they keep me honest to a point. Yeah, see, I think they'll they'll, they'll they will. There are people that I can discuss stuff with. Yeah, yeah, and we can talk about it back and forth and come to some sort of agreement to disagree yeah. or, or something to that effect. And, and you? So, uh, my social sphere is pretty broad. Yeah. I've got a lot of pretty, very hard, I mean, I have some communist yeah, like friends. 3,000? Yeah, and they're real people, like, almost all of my friends are people that I've either met in real life or had a real connection with through podcasting and things like that that I'm doing. So, you know, but the majority of them are people I've met. And so mm-hmm. I tend to add them and c- try to communicate with them. And we'll have some really deep discussions. And sometimes people will get fired up and be downright nasty. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, and I think this might have something to do with it. I think there's two factors in that artificial intelligence that affects it. The one is, you know, if there's an article that they determine that they don't trust that's being shared or a, or a meme or something they don't trust, you know, they've got algorithms and computers reading it and the other thing is the report button yep. and I think that for whatever reason I think that a lot of people when they see something they disagree with they report it and uh, which by the way sometimes I do whoa I, I only, I'll tell you where I do it I do it when I see I'll see an organization promoting like a drag queen story hour which I don't want to get all into the depths of that but if they're promoting something like that yeah. I'll report it for child porn. I do the same thing. <laughs> why? Am, I always click. Why am I seeing this? You know, and then they're like, yeah, well, "Why?" I'll be yeah. like, you know, political things that they're shoving down my throat or whatever. I, I definitely, I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. if it's a discussion that a friend of mine wants to have, we'll talk. Right. You know, I'll talk all day long about it. Yeah, I, I, I would but, never block uh, uh, one of my random communist socialist friends. There's a person line. There's a person. That's not yeah. a, it's not a corporation. Well, I mean, right. right. Ad. It isn't right. just show, something is showing up out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Or it might be, I mean, people behind Drag Queen Story Hour too. It's just that what they're doing that I believe is harmful. So I think mm-hmm. that should be, you know. Now, you know the other thing I'll do, and I, I have gotten in trouble for this. I've gotten in a lot of trouble for this. People have been very upset with me and unfriended me over this. So one of Facebook Terms of Service is that if you have been convicted of a sex crime against a child, you cannot be on social media. It is a term, it's often a term of their parole or whatever as well. But what happens is these guys keep getting new accounts. And my thought is if you, not even a fake name, they're just signing up with a regular name. So whenever I see... Yeah, so whenever I see an article come across and it's somebody being convicted, or if I see somebody that I happen to know is on the list, you know, mm-hmm. I will report that. Uh, you have to go to the Megan's Law list, grab their info. If you're in Pennsylvania, it's the Megan's Law list. Other states have different names for it. But I'll, I'll grab that, or I'll grab an article saying they've been convicted, and I'll send it to Facebook, and I'll tell them, I'll report them. Mm-hmm. And they usually end up removing them. 
And I, I don't feel bad about it. Like, even if the guy was innocent and got convicted, because that's the bottom line. We need to make sure it's the that... Law. It, yeah, and, it, and, it, and there's always that just in case. I don't want some kid, you know, getting contacted by... I don't want my daughter, you know, or my granddaughter someday getting contacted by some creeper on the internet who shouldn't be on that place. Then you got to go out, you got to take care of business, and you got to get a shovel, you got to get a bag of lime, you got to find a tree that fell over, and, you know, it just gets to be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of important information right there. I, I think that, that's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, we are not promoting actual violence. Yes, for the record, especially, yes. Especially not yeah. premeditated anything. Right. No, we are not promoting. <laughs> no. But I will say... That I think if we hung or castrated a few, we wouldn't have to do as many. <laughs> right? I think if there was a if the if the punishment was severe enough, you would have a lot fewer. I, I really think that capital and corporate punishment has a has a has a a degree of deterrence to it. It definitely has a detrimental effect on criminals. <laughs> yeah. Criminal behavior. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, for I mean, look at the Muslim world. Oh yeah, they have very, very sudden and very, very rigorous laws and punishments, and they're carried out like RFN, and uh, yeah. So there is is some some truth to that. That's for sure. Not that I want to, you know, I also know, I mean, we could get into this. This could be a deep discussion. Maybe we'll yes, it could. Sometime, but I also know that I've seen a lot of cases over the years where someone's been convicted of a crime they didn't commit because our justice system isn't perfect. And so before anything goes to those levels, we need to make darn sure that we're not, you know, castrating someone who didn't do it. Yeah, it's kind of a permanent solution, kind of like death. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we need to make sure that we're that we've given every chance for a reasonable appeal, if that if it's reasonable. You know, start from the ground up with the justice system. You know, it's like, well, then make sure our justice system is not perfect, but it's the best we have for now. I it is that is honestly true about everything in our country. It's not perfect, but it's not. It's still better than most of the world. Anybody who likes to complain about the injustices they see in our country, I'm like, why don't you go spend a couple weeks in the Middle East or West Africa and just tell me mm-hmm. if you still feel that way. <laughs> or South America. Mm-hmm. Or really yeah. anywhere. Cuba. Canada. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Pesky Canadians anyways. <laughs> they're super polite, but they're kind of mean to people sometimes. Hey, take off, you hoser. <laughs> I, I've known a few angry Canadians in my day. <laughs> I have. They're, they're not. They're not pleasant. <laughs> were you in Canada or were they here? No, they invaded. They invaded. They invaded. Are we talking about Canadian geese? <laughs> <laughs> I made a post. One so day. just Canadians? I made a post one day. It was really bad, but I took a picture of some Canadian geese and I said, "These dang illegal immigrants coming over and pooping all over the place. There you go. They won't get jobs. <laughs> Just keep begging for handouts and dirtying up our public parks." But I was talking about the, the Canadian geese. Yes, not of course. Not getting all that. Not the Mexican geese. Yeah, not talking about that. But anyway, um, 
I, I just thought, you know, I I have that sense of humor that gets me in trouble sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it sounds like all four of us do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you pick the wrong group? <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting started, folks, just so you know. My wife anymore just. <laughs> <laughs> My wife, she. It's a good thing we're not live. <laughs> she'll take whatever I have, and she's like, and you know what else makes me mad? When they this and they that. And I'll be like, honey, what? what's up? And it'll be days later, she'll bring something. I'll be like, whoa, she's angry. Yeah, her sense of humor is, yeah. goes goes to a darker place. Oh, it goes deep. Yeah, it rubs yeah. deep. But <laughs> she, I, I'd say she's full of conviction. You know, like like she has she's passionate and she's holds holds on to those beliefs. Mm-hmm. It's a good quality to have sometimes. Most of the time, yeah. If you're right, <laughs> well, ask her. She'll tell you. She'll right. tell you. <laughs> I'm always right. No. That was our long time. Except for the time that time I was joke. wrong. Yeah. But I ended up being right. I was mistaken. Yeah, I thought I was wrong, but I was mistaken. Yeah. There you go. Yep. So you finally learned that I'm perfect, she says. Yeah. So one of the other <laughs> things on our top, list of topics that I had you guys kind of look into, and I don't want to go too, too deep in this because there's a rabbit hole that we could spend so, Have you been paying attention? This whole thing's a rabbit hole. I know. Oh, yeah. This is Alice in Wonderland. This is Alice in Wonderland, right. <laughs> well, okay, I'll just say this. You guys that know me know that I'm a conspiracy theory enthusiast. That does not mean that I believe all of them. That does not mean that I am a QAnon. You're only a conspiracy theorist, theorist until you're right. Right, exactly. So, there you but, go. But I have found, my thought is, if there's a conspiracy theory, there's usually a reason someone believes it. It doesn't mean that it's true. It means that there's something over here that might be a little bit true that caused the ripple effect. It's called mythology. Sure. <laughs> so, what is the the root of the of the mythos? Yep. You know, and so um, there. What so the the conspiracy theory that this gets into is the idea that everybody in Hollywood and the government is is satanic pedophiles, <laughs> which sounds crazy when you say it. That's so I got to work from the bottom up, right? You know? So yeah. So um, I, I sent you guys a clip to watch, and it's uh, an MMA fighter named Joel Bauman, who um, he gets in the ring and he's like, "Jimmy Kimmel, make this go viral," and he basically says, uh, "Until they release the Epstein flight logs and and client list, I'm just going to assume that you're all a bunch of pedophiles." <laughs> You know, and okay to say, but I think we go back to that thing about justice, yeah, and 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 rule of law and and stuff like that. And uh, you're innocent until proven guilty in this country, yeah. So I, I really do, I, I agree with them. This they should be releasing those flight logs, there's no argument there, right. But to paint everybody with the same brush, so, as much right. as I detest Hollywood, ain't so, so, ain't so right, I don't think. And so here's where where my uh, prowess as a conspiracy theory digger is helpful in that so you, got, you can actually find the flight logs <laughs> on the internet and see them. And now whether or not they have been doctored, I don't know. They haven't been examined by a forensic... You know, and then you start looking at the Jeffrey Epstein case from the beginning. 
they, uh, I think it's the Miami Times Herald, uh, has done, have, they have been following it since the beginning. They're the ones that broke it. There have been so many. I mean, when it first happened, he got off. He got he got convicted, and then they did nothing. He basically was in jail, and they were bringing him girls. So the whole concept and everybody that's connected to him goes so vast. And when you start looking, and now whether all of the people connected to him are involved with having sex with underage girls, I can't prove. But the people that are connected to him, when everybody says they knew, you know, you know, um, you've got uh, John McCain's wife after John McCain died coming out and saying, "We all knew about this, but nobody had the the courage to do anything about it." And so we know that Bill Clinton that he visited the White House 17 times while Bill Clinton was in office. We know that Bill Clinton went to the island. We know that Bill Clinton flew on his plane from the flight logs. Um. And so there's all this stuff about the Jeffrey Epstein rabbit hole that if you go down and you start digging and you start seeing the people he was connected to and the things that he did, it starts to, and it starts to make you say, all right, I can see why he's got enough power, even though he's dead or if he's dead or if he killed himself or if somebody killed him. But him and then his buddy, Jolene Maxwell there, that whole thing all spirals out from everywhere. When they raided his apartment, the FBI took uh, hard drives and CDs and photo albums from a safe and nobody knows where they went. Surprise, surprise. So, yes, I get it. The justice system needs to do its job, but that's a place where it's like, okay, I think we're at the place where we need to start demanding some answers. It's and this is, this is a perfect example of the thing that, you know, you may want to step over the line once, but now somebody's got something on you. Somebody's going to use it. Innocent until proven guilty, but if you don't try and prove them guilty, then they're just going to be innocent. Agreed. You know, yeah. like that's that's what justice is. You got to actually still try and make it happen, otherwise, nothing's going to happen. I don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't see it happening any more than you're going to see the the uh, prosecution of of Hunter's laptop. Mm. You know, I, I just. I don't see it happening because no. there's too many powerful people in there. Yep. Yeah, our, our, our justice system, especially at that level, at the federal level, I think has, <laughs> has become a political arm. Because, I mean, when, when COVID was happening and they were making the kids wear masks at school and all that stuff, or they, were, or they started bringing curriculum that parents disagreed with, like Drag Queen Story Hour and things like that, and parents were going to school board meetings and complaining, the Justice Department sicked the FBI on those parents. No, the, the teachers union. But the Justice the, Department. No, the teachers union on. went after, to the with the White House's help, went after the Justice Department and said, you need to start talking to these people as terrorists. So it was the union that started it. Right, but it went to the Justice Department, mm -hmm. and then it went to the... FBI and they started doing it. Have they you been watching the elections lately? What's that? Have you been watching yes, the elections the, the, lately? The school boards are all across the country are, are flipping and going yep. the other direction. But my point was, I don't want to get all political yep. with all this, but my point was, if they'll, they'll do that, but they won't uh, release or charge any of the people that Jelaine Maxwell was convicted of trafficking children to. Mm-hmm. 
Where are we going to get our movies from? Where are we going to get our popcorn entertainment from? Right. Yeah. Who's going who's to run the country? These things are boring, people. <laughs> YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing left when when everything gets leveled will be manlyhood. Will be the, only <laughs> thing, the only thing left. Last man standing. <laughs> Probably only about half of them. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, yeah. Well, you don't know for whatever reasons. But anyways, uh, you know, I want to touch on that a little bit because when you we watch a documentary on this guy in Great Britain that was. He worked in his magic. You know, he was a, a talk show host, radio host. Yes. Did you watch that? No, but I told you I'm a conspiracy theorist. If you watch, so he, down all the rabbit holes. Okay, this guy has. There's a documentary about him, but this guy had an orphanage for girls that he would visit. You know, and people there had to know what was going on. The money that he was pouring into this place, he he he. Like in two months, got fifty million dollars or whatever to, to build this orphanage or whatever, and you know he groomed people and the children, you know, to where they thought it was they're the only ones they were a special case. But I don't want to get too much into the grooming and all that. But he had he was knighted. He was Sir Jimmy Savile. He was. Uh, the queen, you know, was he was buddies with the queen. Like he had an insider track. Like she was, he was, he was in the number two. You know, where they would call him and ask him for advice on how to earn money or like fundraise and do all this stuff because he was such a great guy. And then after he died it came out what he was doing to these people. And then, you know, of course they took away his, his, his knighthood and all that, but that was man. you know, it's so <laughs> right. Uh, it's so, yeah, he lost that a long time ago. He, he lost that term yeah. a long time ago. But, but when you look at how they were ashamed that he, that they bought into him, you know what I mean? And so they, Everybody covered it up as it was going along, you know what I mean? Because most people that came in contact with him had to know something was a little bit off, you know? And when you look at how it connects to this case, there's probably a lot of parallels, but there's probably a lot of stuff coming off the same branch, you know, uh, the cover-ups. And people knowing about what's going on, you know, I've, I've I've seen and dealt with people that were molested and such, and uh, to see what to see what people don't look at with suspicion that people do and get away with, you know, by being groomed to just ignore it or act like it doesn't happen or overlook certain stupid obvious signs you know it's crazy what people will overlook so by being called a conspiracy theorist I would take I would wear that badge with pride because you're not just running with the herd you're looking into things that are that are 
should be obvious to people if you look at the signs, even the stuff that, even the things that you know and are given up as fact in any of these cases, it's crazy to think that people wouldn't look or want to look deeper into what's going on. All I can say is when it comes to the conspiracy theory stuff, I have some, th I think that there are people who will promote a conspiracy theory because the conspiracy theory will cover up the truth, the conspiracy theory itself sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the CIA and the FBI have a lot of information that's been declassified. <coughs> and you can go on their websites and you can read a lot of information going way back. So if you ever want to dig, I'll just put it that way. That's probably a good way to wrap it up unless you guys have thought. But, but if you ever want to dig, there's plenty to dig for. Were you going to say something, Dan? Yeah, there's another side to this point that I think we're missing. And, and, and this one side that we're talking about is, is extremely important and probably the most important. Okay, all these people that have been compromised, people in power, how many of those people became puppets? That, hey, I want this taken care of, I want this done, I want this bill passed, I want this appropriation. And this is worldwide, because he had a client list, as it's coming out, covered the world. Mm -hmm. And the thing with that is, it's not just him and pedophiles. Like, that's how business in this world is done, is you get dirt on somebody, and then, I mean, it shouldn't be this way, but you get dirt on somebody, and then you hold it against them. I mean, you can't think of much, much dirtier dirt. That's right. the dirtiest yeah. dirt. That's, that's and, and all it takes is one person to get into his files or hack his files or one country. Mm -hmm. God knows it's so easy. How much of that aren't we thinking about? Well, mm -hmm. and I think that's why we don't hear the whole story. It, it may very well be. Because it's spread so wide, and I don't know if everybody can handle it. I don't know. That's me speculating. I don't know. But it very well could be. I'll tell you this, too. I think there's a lesson in it for all of us in that if there's a hole in your character, I mean, a hole in my character is not that, obviously, but if there's a hole in your character, it can be used against you. Can and will be. Can and will be used yep. against you. Well, sometimes you do it yourself. I just think mm -hmm. that's kind of a thing that we all need to be aware of. That's the lesson we can take from it. Don't leave holes in your character. Mm -hmm. That's one lesson. The other lesson is, let's get these guys out. <laughs> let's find out who they are and let's get rid of them. Uh, so, I always feel gross talking about that stuff. Uh, that's part of the problem. I know. That's part of the problem. It, re it really is. It really is. And that, that could be a whole nother, whole nother topic for a whole nother day. But, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I want to talk anymore about pedophilia and all of that, but maybe someday we can have a conversation about some of it, because I do have some other thoughts, but I want to be able to sleep tonight. Things that are too uncomfortable to talk about, let's put it that way. I think that's where you're going with that. Some mm -hmm. things are, and that's okay. So, why don't we ask uh, uh, Dwayne Edgar, who couldn't be here tonight, had some great questions that he, he and I thought, let's pull a couple of those out, yeah, because I think he did, he's like, let's, and I'm like, this is the things that, but you know what, he likes to listen to like Joe Rogan. Right, right. Which is a fun podcast, but that's like four hours podcast. <laughs> He's like a skinny Joe Rogan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But he has a great question, and I thought, let's pull a couple of them, and maybe we can ask and right. kind of get our insight on it. So this question is, how can you tell the difference between a priority and a distraction? 
I definitely do. I definitely do. Do you? Yeah. Yes. Well, if a priority is something that you plan, you know, I thought about, I went introspect, which I don't normally do. I don't get in my own head, you know, but uh, recently I see my wife doing things that she wants to do that makes her happy, you know, and I thought to myself, what do I do that makes me happy? And it was nothing. I didn't have, I didn't have a clue. Like I could not define that, you know, and it was part of like, you know, our, our mission and vision and purpose and all that and getting in your head and figuring it all out. But you know, what, what, what is a hobby of mine? Well, I worked on cars. Well, after you do that for a living long enough, it's no longer a it's hobby. Fun. It's not fun at all. You know what I mean? And, uh, so I had to really, I didn't really think about it, and I didn't have any answer for that. I mean, so I had to think, what are the things that are a priority to me in my life, and what do I need to do to have enough time to focus on doing those things? You know, one of them is riding side by side. You know, our family likes to get on and go out in the woods pack a lunch, cook it on the grill, you know, eat out in the woods, pick leaks, whatever. And uh, another one was out on the boat. So I had to think about what are the, what, what does it look like to be able to do those things? I had to set those as priorities in my life. And anything else was a distraction, you know? If it was somebody that needed a push mower fixed or their car broke down or whatever. I got out of the business, you know, here's, here's a number of a guy that can fix your car, you know? So I had to take the distractions and push them aside, but distractions are unplanned and priorities are planned, you know, otherwise they're just another distraction in my mind. Did you find some things that you really like to do? Because well, it was weird because my... Talk about one of them. Yeah, I did. Well, my whole life, I was like, you know what? Uh, golf's just stupid. Chasing a little white ball around. Dude, what are you laughing about? Anyways, I thought this is the stupidest thing my whole life. I thought it was so dumb. And then I looked at people that I knew, that I respected, guys that did it, and they're like, oh, they love it, you know, this and that, and all the guys at work, you know, they get paid. Oh, hey, hey, we're leaving at noon. We're going to go out and go golfing. Well, what did I do? I didn't golf. So I stayed there at work until 4 o'clock. Them guys got paid to go golf. And I thought, why am I not trying it? You know, why not try it? I might be good at it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be back on the football field anytime soon. Why not try golf? Well, you could say that. I mean, I don't call a score. I don't call a, a score of sixty-two. Let me tell you something. So I already found out. I already found out who my hero was, a golfer. His name's John Daly. Look him up, because he's my hero. Do you know? I love the way he dresses. <laughs> the guy's just me, only with a gray beard and professional. I mean, makes a lot of money. Yeah, and he and he, he drinks is a lot more mineral water than I ever could. Just take vodka and take some water. There you go. Yeah. Water. Oh no, it's vodka. But anyways, he's just hilarious. And uh, yeah. 
so have you you been golfing that? A couple times, yeah. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, if 62 and nine holes is good, I'm I'm there. But that's how much I know about golf. I did. That I, sounds great, I, Ryan. I, I did knock off. I knocked off three three strokes off the last time there I golfed. Go. So. I play golf. It looks like there's been an excavator on. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, and that's the green too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I, six inches above, six inches below that yeah, ball every single day. They don't appreciate that much, but yeah. So I'm, I'm trying it. I like it. You know, the one warning was is my wife said, "Don't go out and buy a set of eight hundred dollar clubs without asking." So yeah, good news for you. That's testicular fortitude yeah honestly yeah. god it is i mean i buy it is. i mean i borrowed a set so i'm good it's something it's completely outside your comfort zone yes yes and something that you always look down on and you you always you know you snore yep. about in the whole nine yards and then all of a sudden you go out and do it and it's like you know man i should yeah. have done this before yep and and you know the i'm finding that the people that i had hoped to be a good influence to I'm spending time with them on the course. You know, the, the young guys I got, the, the two guys went golfing with are 22 years old, you know. And uh, so, so we're really getting to spend some time together and just, you know, bonding and being able to speak into their lives, you know, a little bit of uh, wisdom, you know. They don't call me Boomer yet, so I guess I'm, I'm not... I'm not uh, preaching too hard at them, but we have a good time, you know, and they they do. They they come to me and ask for advice on, you know, girls. They do? <laughs> they ask you? Well, <laughs> I've had the same one for 25 some odd years, and they're lacking in that area. So, yeah. you know, but I mean, you know, when, when, uh, I mean, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be able to do is to be able to share life with young men and be able to help them out a little bit, especially when they're struggling. They don't have the father figure or figures, you know, in their life to be able to guide them. Or or they don't like the one that they have. You know what I mean? And that's not yeah. that's not necessarily a problem of the father himself either, you know. Sometimes that's twenty two. Right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I mean sometimes they could they could be good dad, but they're just not the best fathers for their sons, I guess. You, you, you know, because everybody needs specific things. And or the best son for the father, maybe? That as well. The dynamic? No, well. But, you yeah. Know, like, who knows? Sometimes you get that from somebody other than your father. You know, you learn some of your, your best lessons there. That's actually something, you know, that, it's funny because we have, like, so many topics we could spiderweb off of that, that whole exchange that we just had. But, um, that's actually one of the reasons, like, when my kids were young, why I had them go into scouts with Mr. Karish and Mr. Pauls, mm-hmm. uh, because they were, at that age, you know, they were, what, 11, 12 when they started? I was, I was 10. You were 10? Yeah, and I, I, I knew that as dad, I could, I, I was with them all the time, because at the time mm-hmm. I was working from home and they were homeschooled, I'm like, these guys need to be around somebody else to speak into their life, too, because the only people they've got is me, mm-hmm. and so... That's one of the things I love about Mr. Garish is, you know, when my kids were growing up, they had a role model. They had somebody that they could look up to. Same with Tom Paul's. (laughs) No, but it it mattered, you know, and and Ryan at church, you know, they had people they could look up to. And 
and say, hey, and so, and I know right now, you know, Isaiah was going to be here tonight, and then and then he decided he wasn't, and then when he saw that you were coming, he was like, dang on it. Because <laughs> he's been wanting to catch up with you, so I'm hoping we can get him here for another one. But, you know, it, it, I know that at any point in their life, if these guys need advice, they've got people they can go to, mm-hmm. you know, other than me, because maybe there's things they don't want to talk right. to me about. You know, and even as an adult, you know, you, you got to have more than one person in your life yeah. that you look up to, that you, you respect. And as an adult, you also have to be that person for other people. Right. You know? Right. That most definitely. To this day, I'm like that. I have other people that I talk to. You know, my age, younger than me, I've played, you know, people like Dan, you know, stuff like that, you know. So, yeah. It's amazing the people that don't, the men that don't have other men to, to lean on and, you know, just bounce things off of. It's, it's, it's a big problem. It, yeah. Which, which I think is also a lot of the rise of, if we go circle all the way back from yeah. the eyes of Andrew Tate. I was going to say this. Yeah. like him, because I think people are, are hungry for that leadership, that community, that right. brotherhood. People, people are scared to talk out right. yeah. anymore. I think I think the older you get, and, and I'm 68, I think the older I've gotten, the less it bothers me to speak out. Yeah. But I tend to keep my counsel a lot, my own counsel. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk when asked to, uh, and I'll give my ideas when asked to. But I usually try to put a whole lot of forethought into them before I pop them out mm-hmm. to make sure that, that what I'm giving is the best that I can give. I think, you know, somebody made a point that we're more connected now than ever. And there's Less millions and millions of people, but there's not that intimacy. You know, mm-hmm. like people or keyboard warriors are going to say stuff. They don't think about what they say or the ramifications, you know, like you're saying. You, th- you think about what you're going to say before you say it. There's that intimacy. That's that, you know, maturity and taking that forethought. You don't have that online, so to speak. It's, it's everybody can hear what, you know, you got. You know, see, you were talking about having a fire earlier. Uh, sitting around a fire with a beer. You know, doesn't necessarily mean you get toasted or anything else. It could be a couple of fingers of bourbon. It can just be sitting there talking. That's 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 male intimacy, mm-hmm. if you will. Right. Um, that the time, like you're saying, talking about a campfire, sitting in front of a truck, sitting on a riverbank. Yep. Those are all times that 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 relationship between you and whoever your your peers are, or whoever you've chosen to to help guide you through this 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 quagmire we call life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where those those bonds become really, really, really tight, yeah. Dan. Uh, and and I don't know if you remember old Mark Peterson or not when he was telling the truth. Maybe that was before your time. But those are the kind of people you could talk. You could sit down and you could talk to, to them about anything in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean anything, mm-hmm. and it was good. You knew you were going to get good feedback one way or another. You might get laughed at, but, you know, that's part of the deal. Yep, yep. But you're right. The, the the stuff on the keyboard, it's depersonalized us. And it, it's, a, it's a freaking horrible thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It really is. I think that all brings us back to Dwayne's question, too, which is when we start thinking about priority and distraction, I think the things that we need to make priority are the things that matter the most. What matters the most is the people in your life. Absolutely. And anything else is probably a distraction. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if you love, you know, what was it? What was it they talked about in uh, in, in church the other day? It was it was like the like there's your circle. It's like you're in a, you're in a pond. There's like your circle, and there's like ripples out and out. And when you when you love you and the people around you, you know, it starts spreading out towards other people. You know, because mm-hmm. I mean, you can only influence so much, but when you influence the people around you and make them a priority, right. you know, they're gonna see that and then reciprocate it. And if everyone did that, then the world would be a much better place. Yeah. But, but even if half the people did that, but. you know what's awesome is I'm the guy that said that, and that was a different perspective on it. And I'm kind of glad to know that my kid actually listens to me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was his takeaway. It was yeah, probably it, it, it was probably way better than the point you were trying to make in the first place. Yeah, I like, you I know? like visual metaphors. Yes, visual metaphors. Uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer song. Just take a pebble. Mm-hmm. Is a song. Take a, look it up on Google or YouTube. It talks about that sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Brian's golf thing brings out another question that I think is, is a good question. Do you have a hobby that you make time for? Dan, how about you? Yep. What is your, uh, what is uh, your hobbies? Hunting, shooting. Shooting. I make time for that. And then, of course, travel. You know, some kids and stuff. I've got a gypsy soul. Gypsy soul. Literally, I, I, I do, soul. honest to God. It helps uh, that your kids are spread out then because it lets you, mm-hmm. lets you use yeah. that to go see them. And again, then the people are the priority there too. You get to see them. Yeah, they are. I, I have for the last few years. Obviously, my my time for hobbies and stuff like that has been extremely small because part of my butt, you know, in a recliner. But I, I did take time to to get back into reading again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went through the Dresden. Uh, uh, books just like that, and Iron Mate, uh, the Iron Druid series, stuff like that, and to, to revisit some of the stuff that I had been missing. And now I'm actually working my way through my bookshelf again, which is kind of neat, mm-hmm. something I enjoy and I missed. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I do make time for hobbies, and at the same time, I make time. Here we go again. Uh, it's the people to make time for my wife's hobbies. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and find different hobbies. Let's say we pick up kayaking. It's something she and I can do together, but separate. Right. We're not in the same canoe and fighting over who's going to you know, <laughs> steer the damn thing. You know? I, I went canoeing with my wife. She grew up canoeing and loves it. And so we rented a canoe one day for date night. And oh boy, we got in the canoe. She puts me in the back because you want the heavier guy in the back because yeah. it's a little easier to power and steer and she's the expert at this I am not a, I haven't done a lot of this <laughs> and I sit down and it's like like the edges of the canoe are right above the water and she's up in the air oh no, oh, like, no. I'm like this is almost fun <laughs> see what you gotta do is sit backwards and dangle your legs over the side and just kick yeah. the motor 
Uh, I should have just got out and swam. <laughs> we would have been safer. You, you walk next to it. Yeah, walk next to it. I was going to ask you if you're, it's obviously your, your marriage survived that issue. Yeah. But well, you also physically survived that. Yes. We, we also got in a paddle boat one time. <laughs> a paddle boat? <laughs> My, oh. hip, my my right hip was underwater, but we made it across the lake and back. <laughs> hey, you tried, though. Yeah. 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 It was important which, to hurry. Which you honestly tried. is, you know, if I look at my hobbies and the things that, that I make a priority, and it's not even a hobby, but it's something I make a priority, is a couple of years ago we decided we're gonna, we need to make date night a priority because now here we're at this place in our life where our kids are grown and we've only got one left at home, and this is her senior year, and she's always busy, so... We get all this time together, and we had to kind of learn to like each other again, yeah. you know? And so we started making date night a priority, and once a week we do something, whether it's breakfast or dinner. We try to do it every Friday night, but we're kind of moving it around to um, – because we also started a, a family dinner night, which we try to do every week, but it's not every week, where we bring the whole family together and have dinner, or at least whoever can make it. And we started making those things a priority – and as a result, our family's gotten closer. We've gotten closer. The first six date nights sucked because all we did was fight because we hadn't spent any time together in so long. We had a lot of stuff to work through. But um, And so one of the things we like to do is we like to find a new place to eat. And we've we, every time we think we run out of places to eat, we find one. Um, and so that's something we like to do together. But uh, And in terms of hobbies, you know, at the moment... Manlyhood is my hobby, but it's also a job that doesn't pay much or anything. But, you know, I'm also trying to build what I... I build it because it's my mission, but I'd like it to be something that I could do as a career. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been working a lot lately. But taking that time as a priority to work out with Abe, we try to do it twice a week. We did it sometimes just once a week. We skipped it today so we could get ready for this, you know. Hey, I'll but, be working out when I get home. He's going to work out when he gets home. I guess I will, too. But, but taking that time to... Dad, you are home. Oh, yeah, I am home. Anyway, but taking that time to make it a priority, mm -hmm. you know, and if I let a distraction come in, I feel it, you know? But having those hobbies and those things that you do, I, mean, I haven't done I haven't done much just for the fun of it in a long time. So I need to... I think I need to kind of explore that a little bit. Golf? I, we need a fourth guy. I, uh, one of my other good buddies is also a golfer, and I mean he's a really good golfer. So I don't think he'd want to go out in the course with me. But but I think it'd be fun. Maybe I'll have to come and try it sometime. I'll try it. I, I love driving. I would love going to the driving range and hitting balls. But we used to have a good driving range here, but they shut her down a long time mm -hmm. ago. South South Avenue. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was one. And at the the hotel out there. Yeah. So I'll have to find a spot to go. Maybe we'll. That, that'll be my entry level to see if I like doing. Yeah, I got a nice private place we can go and drive, yeah, yeah, and then nobody, nobody will know, and nobody will know. No, 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 nobody, nobody will be there to laugh. We'll keep our, our secret. It'll be our secret, John. Yeah. We don't have to tell anybody other than everyone who listens to this. I'd like to. I'd like to cross cross golf with Skeet. Oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> oh, I love. So. Well, the ground, would, the ground would look the same. You, well, and you instead, go to a instead of pull, you yell for people. Yeah, <laughs> the ball goes off the tee, and somebody's at the driving range, and bang! 
thing. <laughs> Somebody actually did that on one of those. Uh, Oh, something like Jackass. Yep, yep. Yeah, did you see, did you see the video next for him at the driving yeah. range? Boom! That sounds like fun. Yes. Where can we do this? Do you have a spot to do that? No, no. we got to find a spot to do that. Uh, Dan, when we're doing it, you're coming. We can do it up in the pit of my house. Yeah! We can make Tannerite balls. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. You've got to be able to drive them. You hit that with the, oh. you hit that with the driver, and oh, I think yeah. you're... I think the, the joy is well, gone right there. I mean, yeah. I mean, you already got one leg, you know. You can, yeah, that was safe. You yeah, could, yeah. it's safe. Good, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was like a nice shield on the one, you know. You can You're just, a jerk. Be, <laughs> we got a machinist here. We could get him to yeah. Make yeah. protection for the other one. <laughs> no, that's fun. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Dwayne's got another question, guys. Things that... Things, people, circumstances that make you uncomfortable and why? I have to deal with all kinds of uncomfortable situations every single day. Those are co-workers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, work, I work at Walmart up at the door. I'm the guy that everyone yells at. That's not a joke. That's true. <laughs> I, I stand there all day and I, I just get people just, just yelling random things. They go on like all kinds of like political rants. They... They, they just like accuse me of random things. I, I, I you know, it's it's fun because most of the day I'm just you know standing there. I don't have to do all that much other than check receipts. But people aren't happy about that, you know. I it's 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 a very fun job when you get when you get the the people who are just so angry, just so fired up, and all they want is for you to get even more fired up. They're like they want to get you mad. You know, just all the kind of people that you see all over, like Facebook or whatever. You know, they're just having all those meltdowns in like public places, and I have to deal with all those people. Hmm. And how I deal with them? I just stand there, I just look them in the face, and once they see that I don't, I don't care, they leave. <laughs> <laughs> what? What would somebody like? I, like I don't really care for shopping at Walmart because I no one does for lots of different Walmart. reasons, but. What would make somebody so mad that they would yell at the greeter? I don't, know. I don't want to see your receipt. I'm the first person or the last person they see. You know, whether they had if if, if they had a bad time in the store, I'm the I'm the person that they yell at as they as they run out. If I'm the first person in the store, you know, it's like they have they have a bad experience on the way in or just having a bad day. You know, they see me, and they're like, oh, he works here. I can yell at this man. He obviously lost on the totem pole because yeah. he's out front. He's not behind the cash. He's, exactly. Yeah. He's not exactly. doing that. He's got to take it. Here. He's got to take it. Exactly. He gets paid yeah. to take it. Basically. Basically. Walmart's, Walmart psychologist. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I see him check out. He's like, hey, Abe, you walk by. He's like, uh, he just yeah, he just I, shuts I his eye. I think he shuts ten yard stare. I think he shuts his eyes off or something. Like, hey, <laughs> he's like that's uh, that's kind of what it is. Is that like I mean, like sometimes I, I develop like partial face blindness because yeah, I just see I, I see so many people and yep. there's just so many like like I have like people like walk up to me. And oh I, yeah, I've known these people for years, and they're like, "Hi, how's it going?" I'm like, "I don't know who you are." Oh, you're my dad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uncomfortable situations. So, uh, what I get paid to do? Although 
I do know that you've had a pretty cool experience there that not everybody gets to have. What's that? You are officially licensed, right? Oh, I I don't have my wallet on me. Otherwise, I would show I would show the camera. But maybe you could tell us about it. I I have a license to sell sweet potatoes in the state of North Carolina. Whoa! So how did you get that? I stole it. <laughs> no, I, I found it on the ground. I found somebody had a license to sell sweet potatoes in the state of North Carolina, and it was just on the ground. I think a friend of mine saw it. He was like, you know, and and, and, I, and I'm like, I'm keeping this. But it doesn't say a name. It just says, no, the bearer of this certificate has <laughs> license to sell sweet exactly. potatoes. <laughs> and it's signed, it's signed oh by, a, by, by a whoever is important to sign it. And so... <laughs> I'm officially licensed because I got one. Oh my god! So I need to take a trip down. So there. when do you start the new business? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I need to get a bunch of sweet potatoes. Just go down south, you know, and take just... them out of the bag. You bought them, man. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta stand up. I gotta paint. Go on, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I think about people, things, situations that annoy me. So I could get up in front of 10,000 people, sing a song, make a speech, anything. Wouldn't just stand there and stare at them. Would not bother me mm. at all. But if I have to stand in, in a line of 10 people for a bathroom or, or get crowded in a group like watching a concert or something, I'm immediately, I get clenched up. My hands get tight, like almost like a fist. Mm-hmm. And my butt starts to sweat. Sweaty butt disease. Yes, that's what we have. That's what I called it for years. Yeah. So you go grocery shopping, and it's it's the day of the month that everybody comes to go grocery shopping, and which is fine. I'm not even condemning anybody for that, but it's just it's a very frustrating time to be at the grocery store. Agreed. As one who works there, I agree. Yes. So I'm trying to make my way to the grocery store. Then you've got children running everywhere and you've got people who are just you know cussing and swearing at each other and you've just got people who won't move at the speed you want them to my butt starts to sweat my hands get tense i get really upset i get really nervous and for 20 years i have just called or 20 almost 25 years i'll just i'd lean over to my wife and say honey i'm I'm starting to get a little sweaty butt disease sweaty butt disease and so she's like why don't you go and take the kids out to the car or something i'll finish up it's and now that i'm like Mature and I'm learning about things that exist in the world. I realize that what I have is anxiety. <laughs> this is anxiety. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you have some form of claustrophobia or something related to that. Crowdphobia. Yeah, it's like agoraphobia, but I'm not. A, I'm, I'm perfectly fine leaving the house. I'm not afraid of being in front of a crowd. It's not. A, it's not even in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of those things that really. And I, so the that's the hardest part of this question is the why. No idea why. I imagine that if I sat down with a good therapist and we spent a lot of time, we could probably find some random memory from my childhood that would explain where all this came from. But you probably got you know lost in a crowd or something. Sometimes. Oh, I did get lost at the beach when I was little. I thought it was yeah. Uh oh. Holy, Uh-oh. holy therapy. Jo- a Joe Dirt house. moment. Oh, dude. <laughs> wow. the thing that breakthrough. But the thing is, when I got lost at the beach, I didn't think I was lost. You were just misplaced. No, I thought they were lost. <laughs> the lifeguard sees me walking by seven times, and he's like, son, are you lost? I'm like, no, my mom's lost. I'm trying to find her. <laughs> hmm. The thing that gets me, and this has been since since I had to start using a wheelchair, is the people that look at me, and you see the pity in their eye. 
or they see me on uh, on prosthetic, and you can see it in their eyes that oh my god, that poor guy, he's disabled. That bugs me. Mm-hmm. That, that makes me extremely mm-hmm. uncomfortable because the first thing I want to do is I'm going to jump up and say, hey, look, you know, I'm not. Kick him in the face. Uh, no, no, not, <laughs> not, not that. No, not that. It's just that it's a it's a stereotype. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've never been stereotyped in my life. And it bugs me that, that people want to put me in that box. So it makes me extremely uncomfortable. Uh, almost to the point sometimes of being confrontational. And and I have to be careful with that. Kids, kids don't bother me. You know, they come up and they'll oh, hey, kids. they'll want to touch it, they'll want to talk about it, uh, and, and everything like that. But adults, uh, on the other hand, sometimes just, yeah. 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 Well, I kind of want to touch it and want to talk about it, but it's only because I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Fine. And I'm there, glad that you're mobile. There I'm, are people. You know I mean? There are people that are like that. Yeah. That because they've been maybe they've been exposed to more things in their life. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, but the ones that 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 you can see, pity. You know, you can see the pity. The pity factor start. Yeah. And it's like well, I don't need pity. You know, I, I don't need it at all. That lends into something that makes me uncomfortable then that you're talking about. So I, I was just sitting here, I got nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you talk about like a, a disability or certain circumstances that people are in, handicap, whatever you want to call the name, but, you know, people my age and demographic and are afraid to say stuff nowadays because... You don't know who's going to get triggered by what. I mean, and and I'll give you an example. There's Facebook mothers out there that were in our lives, you know, and you're, you're friends with them, and they're, things are going on with this or that, and they don't want you to do this or say that or don't ask, you know, about the certain circumstance they got going on in their life. You know, you got to watch how you word things when you ask about I'm curious as I'll get out about some of this stuff but I'm afraid to even say dude how'd you lose your leg you know what I mean diabetes peripheral vascular disease you know not you but like like if I seen you you know at a parade or something I'm gonna walk up hey what happened you know be like you walk up to me saying, hey, last time I seen you 40 years ago, or 20 years ago, you weighed 220 pounds. What happened, bro? You know what I mean? Am I gonna, I'm going to laugh about it. But, you know, you walk up to some of these people and you yeah, say. That comes under courteousness. Hey, why? Honestly, but, well, yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm, 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 I'm relating yeah. it to. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like, people don't know how to approach something that could trigger somebody. And that is a sensitive topic. Not, I mean, you're a salty dog. I can tell, but you know what I mean. So, so the silence is more upsetting to you than if somebody'd say, "Hey, dude, what happened?" You know, I, I, you know, but when I, I don't know how to talk to people like that. You know, it, does that make sense? Yeah, it's we're living in a culture that is so sensitive about everything that. When you're a curious person, you have questions, or you have thoughts. It makes it like like I have some 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 gay friends, right? 
I have a lot of questions for them sometimes. I mean, not a lot of detailed personal questions, but there are I do. That, I, that I'd like to know. <laughs> that I'm like, well, I, I went to college and I had two black roommates. I grew up in Rollett, Pennsylvania. Right. I knew one black person, and she was half black, and did, she didn't know any black people. Right. So I, I get two black roommates. Actually, I had, they were twins. I had one black roommate and his twin brother who was always in our room. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys, I want you to know and understand, I am not a racist, but I have a lot of questions. Right. And I need to be able to ask them. And they're like, that's fine, ask away. And then, and I, and then what they did is they said, well, here's the deal. We're going to answer that question because I want you to know. But don't ever ask anybody else that question because they'll punch you in the face. <laughs> right, right. I usually <laughs> prep, if when I'm like that, I usually preface it with, "Hey, you know, if I'm if I'm out of bounds or I'm asking something that that's wrong, please tell right, me right, right off the bat, yeah. and we'll just call it quits and, and right. we're good." That's usually what I say anymore. I yeah. don't. I don't. I have very few filters anymore. Yeah, that's a great me, way to do that. Yeah. Right? Hey, if yeah. I'm out of bounds, let me know, please. Right. And I think that disarms the, the the fear of confusion right there. Yeah. See, that's why I invited you. <laughs> because you're lots, wise. There's lots of reasons. He's just cool. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a good question. Good thing to answer. Did we all answer? Did you? Yeah, we all answered mm -hmm. something that makes yeah. us uncomfortable yeah. or why. So, yeah, guys. Um, one thing I that... Dan has been kind of doing in our private Facebook group, uh, and I thank you. Have you wrapped it up yet? I don't remember. No, parts no, there. I've still got a few to go. Okay, I put number five up and covered three points in number five because they're all intertwined. So he's doing a thing called Everyday Carry, and I thought it might be cool to maybe break down a little bit of that with us. He just kind of said, "I just want to do a little series on this," and what it reminds me of is it reminds me of <laughs> on Wednesday nights down at the Lions Club when the boys would be there and we'd show up to pick up the boys and they'd be like, "Not ready to go yet." We got to do our got to do our Scoutmasters minute. Was that what you called it? Yeah, Scoutmasters minute. Yeah. Yeah, and oh. he would give a little word of encouragement, a little bit of word of wisdom to the boys, something yeah. they needed to think about or take mm -hmm. care of. That's what it reminded me of, and I thought it'd be kind of cool for us to maybe uh, work that into our conversation a little bit, Dan. Okay, it came about. Um, I don't know. Are you guys uh, familiar with Twenty First Century? What they're doing? It okay. Mary Campbell runs it down to Y. It's a state sponsored. Uh, it's a grant type thing. It's like and a latchkey for the kids, kind of like you have like after school and then summer. Yeah, after school, during school. Yeah. Uh, the summer they they had summer programs. They asked me to come and speak twice. First time I went, and it was I just let the conversation flow to wherever the questions were being asked. And uh, the second time I said, well, you know, I need to do something different because they had me back towards the end of it. And when I drive or I mow. My mind is free. I, I get to roam. Uh, freaks my wife out a few times, but the other day, I was, I was mowing her paddock, and really, it's just back and forth. But anyways, I'm trying to figure out what to talk to these kids about. And, and I wanted it to be special, but at the same time, I've got to talk to them about ways that I won't lose them. Uh, plus, at the same time, I've got to stay within the bounds of what is allowed and what's not allowed these days, and what's going to trigger and won't trigger. So, I carry a pistol most times that in the word everyday carry came about as what is your everyday carry firearm in my case I carry a Hellcat uh, 
and then expanded it to, okay, everyday carry became, what do you carry on your person every day? In my case, it's usually a pistol. I've got, generally I have a single cell flashlight in my pocket. I have a lighter in my pocket and I've got a knife in my pocket. I've got my, I call it my cred pack. It's my cards, my license, my pistol permit, stuff like that. And I carry a handkerchief, which freaked the kids out when I told them that. That was a handkerchief. Um, <laughs> and uh, then I, then I took it another step further. I got to thinking more about it. It's like, not only what do I carry on my person, what do I carry in my person? What do I carry in my, in my head and in my heart? So I started thinking about that. And you'll recognize the points right off. Trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, through to brave, clean, reverence. The 12 points of the scout law. Mm-hmm. Okay. I couldn't say boy scouting, though, because it's not a good thing anymore, supposedly. But anyways, and then I added a 13th point. But I'm not going to tell you that because I told you I'd save it to the last thing. Yeah. Okay, there's a 13th point I put in there. So I started talking to the kids about this. I have a couple observations. Kids don't know definitions the way we did when we graduated from elementary school or maybe seventh grade. I mean, these kids are middle school students. Okay. It's like uh, uh, trustworthy. They kept trying to define it with the word. Well, it means you were trust. No, that's not how you define something. But going through this stuff, I got, have you ever seen Jeff Dunham and Peanut? Mm-hmm. You know that look Peanut gets? I was getting looks like that. That, that bothered me. It really did. It, it, it made, you're talking about things that make you uncomfortable. Uh, we knew all this stuff. We knew these definitions when we got out of grade school because, you know, you had your vocabulary tests, you had reading that you did, and, and, and English and all this good stuff. Eh, something's falling down someplace here, and these are basic, basic words that really mean something in a person's life, and they should know a definition of it. It's like the difference between love and sex for crying out loud. So, anyways, so I put this together. And about halfway through, I'm looking around, and I'm losing them. It's like, oh, man, this is not good. Now, what am I going to do? So they were kind of spread out on the bank in front of me, and I had a chair I, was, I had parked in. And uh, I said, okay. I said, hard stop here, guys. I said, Let, first of all, I said, let's everybody move in. I said, you guys are too far apart. I said, People that are answering questions, nobody can hear you. We're having to repeat it. You guys are starting to play around with the bugs in the lawn and all this good stuff. I said, let's move it in. And we started talking. And I told them, I said, the stuff that I'm telling you about, guys, I said, is stuff that is sadly missing today. I said, all you have to do is look at your social media, look at a lot of your schooling, look at your music, look at your books. I said, this stuff is missing. This is the stuff I'm trying to talk to you about. And it's got a real good place in this world. If you can hold these things in your heart and judge your day by these points that, that we're talking about, and, and you can go to bed at night thinking, hey, I've done a pretty good job of this. I said, you're going to live a pretty good life. I said, that's what this is about. So we started back in again, and the whole tenor had changed. Mm. 
everybody started really taking part. I mean, they were, we, we, I started going around and I was asking people their, their opinions on things and, and playing with, hey, what's your definition? What's your example of this? Stuff like that. And it worked very well to the point, and I'm going to brag a little bit here, that after I wrapped it up with the kids and they came up, they really, they, they told me, hey, you're the best speaker we've had. And I'm thinking to myself, this course is only four weeks long. They've only had, what, four or five speakers? Well, when I stopped at the Y to talk to Mayor Campbell on the way out and tell her, you know, what I'd done, how it went over, because we were kind of curious as to how it would work. Uh, I told her that, and she said, Danny, she says, you can have had anywhere from between 30 and 50 speakers. Wow. It's like, wow, boy, do I feel good. So I got invited back for October to, to, to come up with it again. Now, remember... Uh, our DE, or one of the DEs uh, from council, Wayne Shuver, by any chance? Yeah. Okay. Wayne wanted to know about this. So I tagged him. Now, whether he's picked it up or not, I don't know. But he wanted to hear about it because it had, you know, the scout law in it. So, anyways, that's that's what I did. That's where it came from. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping it, it made some sort of a uh, an impression. Even on, on one kid, or maybe each point made it on a certain kid or, or other. Uh, if it did, then we're good. We're golden. Uh, but yeah, I, it was something I enjoyed. Been a while since I'd interacted with kids. Yeah. Uh, I'd switched over mainly to adult education and scouting and stuff like that. Uh, so it was kind of interesting. It really was. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I had a good time with it. Um, and maybe this is my entry into what you and I talked about, about getting into some motivational or public speaking. Um, came about, Mary, I, at the Y, I, I, Kathy and I are getting ready to leave and I'm in my wheelchair. And I see this sign on the door that says 21st Century Manager. And I'm thinking, geez, that's uh, quite a big job right there. You're managing a whole century all on your own. So me being the shy, retiring individual that I am, I went up and knocked on the door and opened the door. I said, so what's the sign mean? Mary told me. We got to talking, and it originally started is I wanted just to maybe go in and read to kids because it's, it's, it's something I enjoy too. Um, so we started talking back and forth, and all of a sudden I get it. She's interviewing me, or interviewing me about my life. She says, I want you to talk to these kids. Okay, fine, I'll talk. It was it was it was it was a good thing for me, and hopefully it was a good thing for the kids. But that's where that's where it came from. Um, I've been lucky in the things that I've been able to do since uh, I started living on different time. Um, I've been able to explore a lot of different things. I've been able to to hopefully affect a lot of lives, to touch a lot of lives. And uh, and, and hopefully the, the the path will continue. So so yeah, that's where EDC came from. So if you want to follow that, if you if you're listening, uh, those posts are in the Manlyhead Man Cave in there and uh, I don't know, maybe we'll uh, have you get come down another time. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do an interview and have you break them all down. That'd be kind of fun. So. It, it, it was interesting. Um, I'm finding, you know, the stuff that I'm writing to you guys or to, to the man cave 
is different than what I was talking to the kids. I've had more time to think about some of these things. And it's it's working out a little bit different when I know I'm talking to adults versus when I'm talking to kids. Kids are a hard audience. Go they don't. Me. They don't give any slack. <laughs> no, they don't. Do you? Okay, you know that. I, I guess I don't have to say yeah, that yeah. to myself. So. Oh boy, it's it's cool because um, I I think about this a lot because I was a youth pastor for years, mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm, I'm not now. I still love kids. I still love teenagers and interact with them a lot. I, I raised four of them, but um, that particular generation that I started with and I spent the most time with I almost feel kind of like 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 I was I don't that's, I, I don't mean to be super spiritual but it's almost like a call do you know what I mean like here's who you're supposed to reach this generation so I you know I think about that kind of like with you and like I mean you had a couple of generations of scouts but you know you're still you almost have a responsibility in their life still you know what I mean I yeah I know exactly what you mean I don't I still don't know where I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to do I stopped searching long ago um Abe knows I don't know if you know I'm a 25 year survivor of three years to live okay uh, 25 years ago I was diagnosed with leukemia and uh, a, a fellow survivor one time told me, she said, yeah, the day you get that diagnosis, she says, you no longer live a normal time. You live on, she called it, God's golden time. Mm. And I have to agree with it. So many things have been given to me because of this, mm. be it this, be it this, be it whatever, that... I believe that God's given me an awful lot of stuff. Uh, But for years, oh my good Lord, did I search. Well, what can I do? What am I supposed to be? Why am I still alive? Why did this guy with three kids die? Why, you know, survivors go up the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, it's a very real thing. But Diane, uh, she used to be a reporter for the era. Diane. Yes, Diane Arnett. She is a, she was a survivor, is a survivor. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think double breast cancer, the whole nine yards. But she told me one time at a, a survivor's meeting, she said, Dan, she said, stop looking. She's going to drive you nuts. She said, we'll drive you right off the deep end if you keep looking. Mm-hmm. She said, just forget about it and, 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 and go where you're, you're pushed to go. And that's where I've been. I spent a lot of time in scouting. I've uh, been uh, a leader there, been a uh, program director. I've been an adult educator in scouting. I have that was an EMT instructor. I was an EMT. Uh, I've done a lot of things, and it's all been, I've watched five of my sons grow up. Uh, I've got seven grandkids now. Uh, uh, I've got 43 years with my wife. And, and I know I'm getting off topic here, but... Oh, but there are so many things, and I still don't think I'm finished. I just I don't know where I'm supposed to be or where I'm supposed to go. But uh, I'll talk and help any way I can with just about anything. 
and, and enjoy myself doing it as long as I got a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like enjoying the R, what you are, you know, instead of. Um, what, what there is what a quote become, from the Bible. I have. Instead of becoming something, it's what you are. I carry I don't, I, I don't know voice, you know, uh, verses and, and chapters and all that good stuff. But I, I saw it was painted on one of those little paintings my wife has. It says, I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I find myself. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's from the Bible. Did he? I don't remember which book, but it's in one of his letters. And that's where I try, that's where I try to put myself. Yeah. Wherever I find myself, that's, that's where I'm content. Uh, not necessarily does it mean that I give up right but I I don't I can't say I don't fight either but I don't I, I think you guys get what I'm trying yeah. to say you don't try to you know go up the river no I, I no I, I it's like you just let it go where it takes you I think yeah. I heard in a song once I, I I think the I think the line was uh why do we try to fight the river when the water is what will deliver us where we need to go? Yeah. Like, it's, it's you know, it's about where you're going and where you walk. Like, uh, the river. Yeah, that's another one, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, oh, I did that to the kids, too. I, 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 we finished up the first, the first time I talked to them. It was, uh, oh, jeez. About trying to be something somebody expects you to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, and not being yourself. Mm-hmm. And I ended with, uh, I said, do you guys know who Garth Brooks is? <laughs> I got that blank thousand years there again. <laughs> and I said, Ooh. well, there's a couple of them that put their hands up. I said, um, I said, I want you guys to look up a song. And I said, the song is God's greatest gift. Yep. On, or no, Unanswered Prayers. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the song. Yeah. Unanswered Prayers. I said, I want you guys to look that up. Because I'm going to ask you about it when I come back. And I said, I'll be back in the end of the month, and I want to know what you guys thought about it. Before I even left, they had their phones out looking it up. <laughs> yeah. And I asked, I asked Mary about it later on. She said, yeah. She said, boy, there's a lot of discussion on that song. That's awesome. Unanswered prayers, you know? Yeah. I think that's a really cool thing, like, when we can, like, music, poetry, and art can teach us so much. Really? You think? You know, yeah. I, like, I, there's so many times when... Somebody will try to tell me something and I'm just not hearing it, and then you, a song comes on the radio and it's listen like, to it. Ding. There it is. It's like, oh, I get it. Oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah, it 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 does teach us a lot. Art, same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in in I have found in the last 25 years, I have found so much comfort. In, in music and poetry and art and reading and things like that that it's it, it's helped me keep my sanity and stuff like that so it's kind of interesting it really is it really is anything else you guys want to discuss before we wrap up our show guys it's been fun yeah it's been, this has been a great and it will continue to be fun. It will. I want to do this once a month. So yeah. if, you, if you guys make it, if anybody else makes it, awesome. Okay. Uh, you guys are always welcome to do it. I'll keep you in the loop. And if you want to come, that'd be great. I, the, one of the things that's that in my mind that motivates this is, you know, I've got a group of guys that meets every Monday night. And we have discussions like this, usually centered around the Bible, but about life. And we talk every Monday night. Um, Dan, I'll give you info if you want to get plugged in. You might enjoy it. 
But uh, we'll see. But that kind of discussion, this kind of discussion, is the kind of stuff that I think all men need in their lives. And so I'm hoping that as they, as, as the guys that are listening are seeing and enjoying what we're doing and how we're getting to know each other and goofing off and having fun. If you don't have somebody like this in your life, you need to find somebody. Right. Let's make it happen because yeah. this is where we grow. This is where we learn. This is where we, you know, get challenged to be better. I've, I've learned a whole lot from this conversation with you guys. Me too. Thanks. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So it's Fight Club, but we're allowed to talk about Fight Club. So let's make it happen. <laughs> we're not going to fight. <laughs> we're not going to fight. We might one of these days. I'm, I'm going to buy some gloves yeah. and here, so we might actually. Uh, I don't know. You know yeah. I definitely want to keep shooting golf at the same time. I will time. bring my extra leg and I'll kick your ass. Can't wait. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you guys for being here tonight. I appreciate it. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. And you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast. 